What do visions, trances, birds and reptiles and a house full of people have in common? Next on The Midweek Move. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to The Midweek Move. I am Scott, and today we have a special guest. Listen, every week we've had different people in and out, and it's been me sometimes, not me sometimes, and we've had uh, all manner of people. Today, a super good friend of mine, uh, somebody that uh, we get to journey with and do life with, and uh, it's so amazing to have her here. And it's really cool because she and I do a Bible reading plan together, and we've kind of been walking through Acts. We've walked through Acts together. But uh, Cassie Hammond is with us. Cassie, welcome to the Midweek Move. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, tell everybody real quick, just kind of... Uh, where you're at, who you are, what what you're a part of, what's going on. Yeah, so my name's Cassie, and I live here in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I'm the founder of The Hub Urban Ministries here in Shreveport. We work uh, primarily with those in poverty, uh, homelessness, and victims of human trafficking. Uh, we've been doing that work here for 15 years, so um, I get the honor every day of stepping into the trenches of our city and um, just fighting so that those um, who are considered vulnerable hear the gospel and gain access to uh, hopefully a restored life. So yeah. um, I have two kids, married for 15 years. Um, to I call him my tall drink of fine. Tall drink of fine. I was about <laughs> yeah, to yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say that. Ugh, he is. Um, so yeah, we live here and then we travel quite a bit um, to, we have different locations, the hub does across the country. So we travel primarily between Shreveport and Las Vegas. Awesome. Hey, now she said all of that. One thing she didn't say is that her insight in the word is so interesting. It's so, um, uh, she and I do a Bible reading plan together and we don't just read, but we comment back and forth mm -hmm. and just, hey, what, like, what is the Lord saying to you? And uh, every single time that you respond, it's always very uh, thoughtful. It's always very, um, it's very much not, hey, this is for somebody else, mm -hmm. but it's very much, like, this is for me. Here's what God is speaking to me. I know a lot of times, um, especially with things like Cassie and I do in leadership, sometimes we can like read the word and we can be thinking about someone else. Mm -hmm. Like we have someone else in mind. Or how right? we could use it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. it's almost like we're reading the word of God to consume it. But at the same time, we're thinking about, okay, who can I give mm -hmm. this to? And sometimes I think with that mindset, we can miss out that God hasn't given this to us for someone else. He's given it to us. Mm -hmm. He loves yeah. us enough to make right. it very, very personal. That's right. So today we're going to take a very personal, this is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. I probably say that a lot, but. <laughs> this is for real, the favorite. This, <laughs> actually, what's cool is I just left a meeting um, with walking somebody through like their first steps of, of, of after becoming a believer in Christ and going through a program, getting their life straight, uh, being filled with God's spirit, man, just really just digging into the word of God, but now taking the next step to be like, hey, I want to be the next Cassie Hammett. I want to mm -hmm. step into a place of leadership. And this chapter came up this morning, yeah. first thing. And um, so it just continually comes up. I think maybe it is because I can relate to both of these guys a little bit, mm. um, and I think we all can if we really dig into this. That we can, we can, um, we can see ourselves in each one of these guys, and not only what God is doing in them, but their response to what God is mm. doing in them. So, as always, we're going to go line by line. We're just going to kind of take it and consume it. So, you guys uh, get your Bibles out. Acts ten, okay. 
And we're going to just going to walk through this verse by verse. So we have just finished up speaking about Paul. Last week, we talked about Paul. We talked about this amazing conversion. We've talked about Stephen. What a life. Mm-hmm. I mean, people think that, okay, he's, he's a deacon and he's, you know, going to wait tables. But this guy was like, mm-hmm. people were getting healed. People were like being saved. Like all this stuff was happening. And then the way that he finishes is so just... It's awesome, but it's convicting because I'm just like, wow, would I be able to do that? And then we get to nine and this guy Saul is still breathing these threats Mm -hmm. and he's just angry. And then he has this encounter with Jesus and everything changes. And God speaks to this guy, Ananias, to go to Saul, by the way, Mm -hmm. who's probably maybe going to kill you too. Right. (laughs) Go to him (laughs) and lay your hands on him. And we see this transformation which now has led us to this amazing part. Now, we know that Peter, uh, up to this point, Peter has primarily put his focus into Jews, right? So his ministry is kind of to the Jews. We've seen it only to the Jews mm-hmm. because he is a Jew, and this is kind of uh, this is kind of his mindset. So his theology is based on the law. Yet he is filled with the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Yet his focal point is to the Jewish people. All right, Acts 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. So here we see this guy. He's a centurion. He's a soldier. He uh, leads people in this Italian Regiment, which we know that the Italian Regiment, we're not talking about anything Jewish here. Right. We're talking about the heavy armed uh, Romans. We're talking about the... uh, the mindset of a Roman, we're talking about even a, a almost a worship of people or mm-hmm. leaders or mm-hmm. me, per se, Caesar. Yeah. Um, and so here we have this man, but it says this about um, Cornelius. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Now, right off the bat, Cornelius, what are your initial thoughts of Cornelius, Cassie? Well, knowing a little bit about the background, understanding that we were laughing before that, you know, he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, um, didn't have access in the same way, but yet was choosing to um, connect with God on a regular basis and then was choosing out of that actions that reflected the nature of God, which was... My translation says giving generously, consistently to the poor. And, you know, so it's it's interesting um, to think about that. It's interesting right. to think about someone um, who at this point in the story um, isn't filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. But yet is surrendered to God in a culture that was surrendered, like you were saying, mainly to author- the authority figures of the day. Yep. Um, that he was connecting with God regularly and his actions were reflective of what I'm assuming he knew of God because he was connecting with them, that he gave generously to the poor. Um, and I just love that that's, and prayed regularly. Like those, those are the two things that are said about him right out of the gate. He yeah. prayed regularly. And to me, what that says to me is out of connecting with God and praying with him daily, those actions followed you know, that he was acting out the nature of God. And we don't know, we don't know what kind of, um, 
what kind of role models he had. We right. don't know if he saw this in someone else. Right. We don't know. We do know this. It was not normal for a soldier in the Italian regiment to have a heart for the poor. Right. Because really a lot of what they were cast to do what had to do with taxation. Mm -hmm. It had to do with uh, control. It had to do with politics, power, mm -hmm. all of those things. And those are all areas where the poor are not uh, that's seated right. in any kind of or honored, yeah, even honored. That's right. Even um, even <clears throat> recognized. That's right. It, it was just off to the side. Mm -hmm. um, you lived in a culture of somewhat the haves and the have-nots, mm -hmm. so to speak. Especially mm -hmm. when you begin to talk about politics and different things like that. And taxes. Yeah, and taxes. <laughs> yeah, it sounds very familiar. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> Just saying. All right, verse three about the ninth hour of the day. Now, so we're talking about three about three o'clock in the afternoon here. About the ninth hour of the day, um, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Now, uh, we don't have any history showing that this has ever happened to him, mm -hmm. like this vision or mm -hmm. anything like this. And when he observed him, he was afraid, which kind of gives us the context that maybe this had not yeah. ever happened to him before. And said, what is it, Lord? So he has this recognition that that it's from, if not the Lord, mm -hmm. it's from a God. Mm -hmm. Because again, that word Lord in that culture was not necessarily about Just, Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Because Lord could have been your master. It could mm -hmm. have been a leader. Um, even with him being a centurion in the Italian regiment, some people may have looked at him even as a mm -hmm. Lord. That's right. Yeah. What is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. Now, how encouraging is that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think about like there's something about this guy that now God is just saying, look, it, it hasn't just been seen on the earth, mm -hmm. but it's been seen by me. Yeah. Like there's a difference in that. Like mm -hmm. we can do good here and it be seen and it's just kind of good. But then we can, it's almost like the difference between you're thirsty and I give you a cup of water, but then I give you a cup of water in Jesus' name, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. I'm submitted to the Lord and I do that out of my love for Jesus and my love for you. Now there becomes like this eternal reward system to that now. Yeah. It's like laying up your treasures <clears throat> in heaven. So we see here that the angel is confirming, listen, it's not only been seen on the earth, but, but this has come up before God. Yeah, it also makes me... Or just reminds me of how precious the poor are mm. to the Father. You know, you see that all through Scripture. That, yep. like, I mean, you hear it here that like the your gifts to the poor have been received not by the poor but by God. Yeah, and like that kind of reminds me of the least of these thing that Jesus says. He's like, when I was hungry, you know, he's talking about, and they're like, well, when were you hungry that we didn't right. feed you? And he's like, well if you, whatever you do to the least of these, this is the same thing. Like yep. it's the same concept that like God takes very personally our treatment of those considered poor, whether that's materially poor or um, emotionally or whatever that might be. So I, I love that. Like it's really subtle, right? but it's, that's a consistent message through scripture. Is sure. It even goes to like Luke four, <clears throat> where Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me for he's anointed yeah. me to preach the good news to, to the, the poor. poor. That's right. Well, that word poor there's a couple of Greek words for poor. One is like, uh, I think it's like penin, mm -hmm. and that's where we're going to get our word penance. Yeah. What that is an allusion to is that that kind of poor, they're able to work a little bit to get daily sustenance, but that's it. Mm -hmm. But you go to a word called tokos, mm -hmm. and that word tokos is beggar, crouching, mm -hmm. 
unable. And then that takes the context of if they're not shown mercy, they will die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is not saying, hey, the poor that just kind of get by. He's saying if someone does not have mercy yeah. on them, they will mm-hmm. die, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we know that that's us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if Jesus doesn't give us that mercy, yeah. we're dead in our trespasses. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, and I also think it's super uh, interesting that that word memorial is used here mm-hmm. as a memorial before God, almost like reminding God, Yeah. which is such an interesting uh-huh. <laughs> Not that God needs to be reminded, but it is very interesting that that word is used before God, memorial before God. It's been been set before God as a reminder. Mm -hmm. Verse 5, now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him. Continually, so when he explained all these things to him, he sent them to Joppa. So here's this guy. He's devout. We're not sure exactly what his context is of God. We just know that he's devout. He gives to the poor. Um, we know that that he does have an awe and a reverence for God because there is a, a certain fear to him when the mm-hmm. angel comes to him. But in this, it's it's like he's like, oh, okay. Like mm-hmm. that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And he's not even the guy that's supposed to know to do that. Yeah, (laughs) right, exactly. It's just like, oh, okay. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a great lesson for all of us is that when we open ourselves to hear from the Lord, Mm -hmm. like it shouldn't be this ongoing argument or conversation that sometimes it's like, okay, Lord. Yeah, quick obedience, yeah. Let's do it, Mm -hmm. let's do it. So the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Now here's, we've got a vision, and we've got trances, mm-hmm. right? Now get ready for the for the zoo animals. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and he saw heaven open. Now this is a pretty amazing vision that he has, this, mm-hmm. this trance he's in, and saw heaven open in an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. Now to a Jew, Cassie, mm-hmm. what is he seeing? Uh, unclean. Unclean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is that unclean? Why are they unclean to him as a Jew? Oh, pop quiz. Boom. Um, I don't remember the exact. Remember the four. Oh, the four. The four footed. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So that wouldn't have been like a welcoming image to him. No. Yeah. And God hasn't even told him anything yet. It's right. like here come all these images, mm-hmm. and it's this giant veil has mm-hmm. come, which to a Jew could possibly have a lot of different meanings. Right. With a giant veil coming. And then all of a sudden, all of these, and especially creeping things, because if you go into like Habakkuk, you go into different of the minor prophets, they will talk about, even when it talked about the the locusts mm-hmm. and the crawling and mm-hmm. the creeping, yeah. like all of those things, all of those descriptive words are right here. Cre- creeping things and birds of the air. And a voice came and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Mm-hmm. This goes against Every bit of his theology. Yeah. 
Like everything he's been taught, this vision is going mm-hmm. counterintuitive to that. Now, if we bring that to us, we would probably go, oh, this isn't the Lord. Right, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't fit mm-hmm. like in my context. And so we see Peter, this same guy who actually told Jesus, no, you can't wash my feet. <laughs> right. You got to wash everything. Right. Repeats that by saying, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. Mm. Peter, in his multiple time right. moments. Yeah. <laughs> it can't just be one time. No. Nope. Cornelius, yes, one Lord. One time. <laughs> Good to go. Yeah. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, raising the dead, shadows are healing people. Mm-hmm. People are being resurrected from the dead. All this stuff's going on. Uh, no, Lord. No. Yeah, I'm not doing it. It's crazy. <laughs> and a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a word. This was done three times. Again, not, <laughs> not just once. <laughs> and the object was taken yeah. up into heaven again. So here's Peter. God gives him this vision that kind of goes counterintuitive. And then God speaks to him. And says, "Don't call, con- don't call common. Mm-hmm. You know what I have taken care of and what I have cleansed. Don't you dare call that common." What, kind of, what are your thoughts on that? As as God's speaking to Peter here. Yeah. So one thing I would say is, um, I've been a Christian my throughout my entire adult life, and I think this little section kind of speaks to the importance of understanding understanding what you're reading, understanding context, because. Um, you know, the Bible wasn't written in 2021 to right. you and me. It That's was right. written um, at a very specific time to a very specific people. And it is for us, but it was written in their culture. And pictures are the way that they communicate um, in the East. They're not facts and figures, people. They're pictures. And so I can remember reading this story and be like, oh, weird, bunch of animals on a sheet. Like, <laughs> why does that matter? But it, it is important to understand that like those pictures would have been very um, off-putting. Oh, no doubt. And and also you lose the context that God is asking him to do something that he, the fork in the road is <laughs> like the law tells me one thing, but God is saying, right, something else yep. here. And I think it just reminds me that <clears throat> we can easily get stuck in the law, legalism, or our way of thinking even, like our own belief system, our own way of thinking. And if we don't remain open to the Holy Spirit and and we don't exercise discernment, then we might miss opportunities just simply because we say, there's no way that was God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but... I, like I'm always now that I have read this with a with better context, I think I'm always moved by God's response. Like, don't call something unclean. Mine says unclean if I've made it clean. Yep. And like this chapter carries a lot of like personal um, importance to me because it was something that's been sort of this weird underlying theme since I was like 18. Um, that someone spoke something to me in passing. And actually, we don't have time to tell the story, but 
it was years later in a conversation with you, Scott, that I was like, you know what? One time this guy walked by and said this random thing and I've never known. He said, don't ever forget Cornelius is what he said. Mm. And I wrote it down and it's been one of those things where I'm like, okay, what? And it would come back every once in a while, like, what does that mean? I mean, I knew the story. And then it was that day in our Bible reading that you're like, I think I know what that means. <laughs> so I have a lot of like personal connection to these verses, but I'm just moved by God's defense in that moment of whatever I create is worthy, you yeah. know? So don't yeah. call something unclean or common or not worthy. Yep. If I made it and I've prepared it and, and I was just, I'm very moved by his response in that. There moment. is so much going on in this chapter that if you were just to read it, you would miss yeah. the social implications, mm -hmm. the cultural implications, yeah. the, the, the risk mm -hmm. that both of these men are about to take, mm -hmm. even to Cornelius inviting Simon to his house. That is a risk. Yeah. Like the Romans wouldn't have said, okay, uh, unclean animals, clean animals. It wouldn't have been that. It would have just been Jews are not worthy. They're mm -hmm. less than us. They are unclean. Mm -hmm. In their own minds, they mm -hmm. would have thought that. But yet Cornelius is going, man, I got a word from the Lord. Yeah. And I don't know if maybe or not, but I know that, I'm in awe and wonder right now, and I'm afraid not to do what I've just mm -hmm. been told to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cross over culture. I'm gonna cross over social norms, yeah. right? I'm gonna cross over dividing lines, mm -hmm. and I'm going to do what I feel like the Lord's told mm -hmm. me to do. And now Peter's being put in the same position yeah. because Cornelius, it may cost him one thing. It may cost him his life. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We do know that it may cost Peter his life as yep. well yep. and his everything. Mm -hmm. And so verse 17, now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry of Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Again, that word three, mm -hmm. um, you know, that number mm -hmm. again. Keeps coming up. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Mm -hmm. and then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am him who you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. <laughs> so basically, you got to come and tell us something. Mm -hmm even though you don't know what that is, and even though you may not want to come to our house. Then he invited them in and lodged them, and on the next day Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa and accompanying him. So here is Peter. He's not even sure what this vision means yet. It's clear mm -hmm. because it says he's still thinking about mm -hmm. it. He's still trying to figure out what it means. And yet these three guys come, and God's pretty much going, okay, here's what the vision is about. I want you to go to Cornelius' house. They lodge, and then they're about to go. Put yourself in Peter's position. I mean, socially, culturally, like mm -hmm. all of it. Mm -hmm. Where are you at? Yeah. Well, I think um, one thing that sticks out to me is the way that God preempts by saying, just without hesitation, do it. Yep. I think 
I think there's a kindness in the way that God speaks to us. And obviously, like with Peter, he knew that, like we were joking, but like one time was rarely enough for him. And that like the Lord would be kind enough to say like, hey, this crazy thing is about to happen, but just without hesitation, just basically trust me. Yep. Um, which we don't see that message to Cornelius, right? Like, right. So I think I what I always am reminded when I read that and other times in scripture is that the Lord in his kindness, knowing who we are, you know, knowing our wiring, knowing our, in this case, tendency to hesitate or tendency to not um, be quickly obedient or whatever it might be. I just love that it was such a crucial moment that the Lord was like, just trust me. You know, like I'm about to do something here. You know, one thing that stands out to me, Cassie, <laughs> is like you have this um, experienced, somewhat mature believer mm -hmm. and you have this other guy who may be an experienced believer in like the expanse of God. And yet the guy who may not have the full revelation yet, he has this yeah. awe and mm -hmm. wonder and it seems as if Peter has lost that. Like God mm -hmm. is speaking to him. Mm -hmm. Not just, hey, I feel like the Lord may yeah. be doing this. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't your feelings. Mm -hmm. This is, he's having an open vision and God is speaking to him. And yet his first response to him is, no, mm -hmm. not so. Yeah. And I think if we're not careful as mature believers, God really does try to speak to us, yeah. not just through his word. I mean, God speaks to us through visions and dreams and all these different things, God speaks to us through the poor. God mm -hmm. speaks to us through our own city. God speaks to us. I mean, I can be driving down Texas and I can pass the purchase building mm -hmm. and I can just be like, and the Lord go, today's the day you got to stop by. Yeah. And I'll stop by and I'll walk in and I'll go, hey, how's everybody doing? Mm -hmm. And without fail, somebody's mm -hmm. like, hey, can you pray for me right now? Yeah. It's yeah. like, it wasn't angels from heaven but how many times have I passed that building and God was trying to say something to me, but I was so worried about getting over to Fairfield mm -hmm. Avenue mm -hmm. that, or I was so, uh, I was so in keen to get over to Stoner Avenue mm -hmm. or Highland that I just went past the building mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I wasn't, I wasn't looking for that. I wasn't expecting it. Maybe that loss of that on wonder, I almost see Cornelius as this childlike faith. Yeah. And I, that's what I was going to say, like childlike versus maybe being wrapped up in um, religious things that can easily feel like the right things, but they're not, right? Like they're right. not the main things. Yep. Um, and in this case, like the clean and unclean, the law, all of those things, like probably no one knew that better than he did. You That's know what I right. mean? Um, but in this case, they posed a risk of keeping him from, being a part of what God was about to do, you know? And it's just really a good reminder um, to make sure that like there aren't things that we've deemed good things that are keeping us from being open to the better thing, which is what God is speaking directly to us. Or the God thing. Us. I mean, you can do good yeah. things, but maybe <clears throat> it's not a God thing. Right. And so... Peter is about to kind of take this leap, and believe me, it's a leap because he's about to cross every social and cultural norm of the day, of his day anyway. Uh, if we would equate it to today, we could, I mean, there are so many dividers in our world today, but he's crossing every socioeconomic, every social barrier, every mm -hmm. culture, cultural barrier, for him anyway as a Jew, 
he's about to cross a threshold that no one no one in his tribe has done yet. Yep. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. <laughs> now the three guys were like, hey, come to Cornelius' yeah. house. He wants to hang out with you. Cornelius was like, hey, the man of God is coming. Mm -hmm. I want everyone I know to be here. So this is about to become the house party of all house parties, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is, I mean, it's about to be on. And Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. I always stop right here mm -hmm. because here's this devout man. He, he has an expression of who God is, but yet in him there's still that, uh, there's still that Roman, uh, authoritarian, mm -hmm. uh, almost idol worship um, uh, a type of uh, DNA inside of him because mm -hmm. he falls down, and the Scripture is clear. He, he fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Yeah. This is Peter. Peter lifted him up saying, and I love this because now we don't have the, we don't have the hard-headed, prideful, arrogant Peter. Mm -hmm. We have the humble Peter mm -hmm. who's like, okay, I need to get over myself. This dude needs to be pointed to Jesus. I need to step out of the way. He says, stand up. I myself am also a man. This is a moment where he could have took credit mm -hmm. for what God was doing, but yet he steps to the side. And Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. So all these people have come together. And then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But <laughs> God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now he doesn't say that I should call any man common or unclean of what God has said. Mm -hmm. He's just saying that now as as I as this is settled into me, God has shown me that I should not call any man yep. common or <clears throat> unclean. Like there's no quantifier on it anymore. Now he's looking at everyone. Mm -hmm. And I Basically, every divider is coming down now. Mm -hmm. In his mind, <laughs> in his heart, mm -hmm. like God is just stripping it all away going, listen, I've called you to more than one person, one people group, mm -hmm. one, you know, I know we get so, especially in American church, we almost divide the house. Yep. And then we minimize gifts that people have mm -hmm. that go far beyond where we tell them they're called to. So mm -hmm. we've got hey, I can only minister to three to five-year-old children, you know, yeah. one and a half hours a week, or I can only minister to 22.5-year-old women with 1.7 children. And it's <laughs> yeah. like we we divide this up and God is just breaking all that down for mm -hmm. Peter and going, no, you're not just called to the Jew. You're not, you're called to everyone. Yeah, and I, I like to, um, in the moment where Cornelius like falls down in worship of Peter and in my translation, it says, Peter says, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. Mm. And I, again, with context, you have two people, two groups of people who each saw each other as less than or different or unclean or whatever it might be. And you have Peter saying, no, I'm just like you. So not only is he saying, I can't. I can't call something unclean that, you know, not only is he saying that, but in that simple statement, 
he's saying, no, me and you are the same. That's right. You know, we're the same, which would have been, I would imagine in the room, a pretty like massive statement. And I know for, in my experience at the hub, um, one of the, one of the things that consistently has proven to be, I've lived this, (laughs) like the moments where, um, I'm sitting across from, you know, a woman who's been arrested for prostitution and I'm like, Hey, no, like we're the same, me and you, we're the same. And I think in God's kingdom that like, he's constantly about leveling the playing field between Jew and Gentile in this case. Um, but we see that play out every day in our city when, you know, we take a woman out, out to eat to a restaurant and we're leveling that playing field and saying, Nope, we're the same. Like you can order your own food and you can speak for yourself. And I don't have to tell them who you are because we're friends. You know, all these there it's, it seems like like, not a big deal, but this is is. such and such the prostitute. (laughs) Yeah, Right. right? Or this is such and such the addict. You know, my background comes from the addictive part of it. And it's the enemy so wants to identify us as a social norm, a cultural norm, a title, Mm -hmm. uh, our addiction. A box. You have to just go into a box. It's like you you Uh have to be put into something and you're going to be titled whatever Mm -hmm. the enemy wants you to be titled. Even founder, CEO, pastor Mm -hmm. can become this massive Mm -hmm. roadblock. I don't even open with that. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. It's like people expect you to be like, hi, I'm Pastor Scott Etheridge. It's like... (laughs) Why would I want to put up With a wall that that's not even too. there? It's like, yeah. It's like, why would I even want to put up yeah. that wall? It's like, hey, my name is Scott. Well, How and even doing? in the way that we lead, and not just you and I, but anyone watching, like, you know, you have a choice to make when you're in leadership. You can either lead mm-hmm. from a I'm different than you. Right. Or you can lead from, no, nope, I'm just a human just like you. Yeah. And we're in this because God called us to be in this. And and this is a level playing field here. Like we all have different gifts, sure. Yep. But I just think sometimes we miss that and we lead from this place of like, I'm other than. Yep. One thing that we love to say here is that the only thing that differentiates us from one another <clears throat> is responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, it's, and gifting. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not that I'm better or you're better mm-hmm. or any of that. It's just mm-hmm. we have different responsibilities. Right. We're all a part of the same kingdom. We just have different responsibilities than one another. Yeah. And that's the only differentiation. And... I don't I don't think it can be overstated, you guys. I I really don't think it can be overstated of what's happening here because yeah. Jew and Gentile that day was one of the biggest dividing it was a demarcation line mm-hmm. that was violent, that was angry, that was bitter, that was I mean brutal. Mm-hmm. And and so when we bring that to now, man, we can see how God but we also see that Peter is saying, hey, I'm a human just like you, but I love the fact that he doesn't step away from the message. Mm-hmm. He doesn't dilute it. He doesn't, he doesn't dial it back. Like he doesn't, mm-hmm. he doesn't do any of that. He says, therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for, which is funny. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I know it kind of I don't know if giggle. he's stretching that out a little bit or we're not reading it right. But anyway. Well, Peter's been through a lot. We'll give him some, we'll give him some slack. He's been through a lot. Mm. (laughs) I asked then for what reason have you sent for me? So Kenya says, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. 
and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send them forward to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea, and when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things God commanded to you. Yeah, we're all here. Right? We're all here <laughs> the gang's all to here. hear everything that God has commanded you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Peter's got to be going, what? Right. Like I saw some reptiles and mm-hmm. birds and mm-hmm. things that were horrible. And mm-hmm. I'm not even sure what God's trying to say here. Mm-hmm. But I love what happens in this next part. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Mm-hmm. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. To me, this opening remark, Cassie, he is not even talking to them. Yeah. He's talking to himself. Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> Like he's reminding. Yeah, because he didn't have a full revelation of the vision until like right here. Like he yeah. is, he is like, in truth, I perceive in this moment yeah. right now, mm-hmm. God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. So many times I think when you and I maybe are leading people or we're teaching, like our opening remark, we're almost teaching ourselves mm-hmm. so we can yeah. get to the part where we're teaching yep. other people, right. right? So then he says in verse 36, <laughs> The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, that that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism with John, uh, which John preached. So you know this, right? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. So he's going right in. He's not backing up from the message mm-hmm. that Jesus was crucified. Then he says, him, God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Again, moving away from that Sadducee, thinking that the resurrection was not, no belief in the resurrection. He's going right. straight in, all in. If Cornelius and the whole household kick him out, so be it. Right. I'm not leaving any of my cards on the table. <laughs> we're, we're doing this thing. Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him, that word whoever, that's a big Mm -hmm. word for Peter to be saying here, believes in him will receive remission of sins. And I love this. Peter must have thought he was going to finish his sermon, Mm -hmm. give an altar call, it's going to be awesome. They were going to tell him how amazing his sermon was. He was going to hang out in the hallway just in case somebody wanted to stop by and say, hey, that was the best word I've ever heard in my life. You know, that's a trick, folks. That is a trick because, number one, you're never as bad as what people think you are, and you're never as good as what people think you are. Yep. And as 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 ministers and as those who get an opportunity, and it is an opportunity, it's an amazing opportunity. This is an opportunity today mm-hmm. that it, this is not a this is not a burden. This is an opportunity. Yeah. This is an honor and a privilege. You know, when people come up to you and they start saying, "Oh my gosh, I've never heard that word before in my life. It's the most amazing thing mm-hmm. ever." Blah 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 blah. You know, I used to kind of try to argue with people and be like, "Nah," and some of that was just false humility. Mm-hmm. Either way. Somebody comes up and goes, you know what? I've heard that preach better. You know, da da da. I've heard better. Or, or somebody comes up and they go, "Well, oh, I've never heard it. I've just learned to say thank you." Yeah. And just be good with it. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Because nobody needs any of that. It's not us anyway. Man, it's God's word. It's mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit speaking through us. 
And I love the way that the Holy Spirit does this because Peter doesn't even get to finish. While Peter mm-hmm. was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Now, these were the ones that had come with Peter and they're in the household as well. They've come. And so it's not just Gentiles, but there have been some that have come with Peter. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. This is what's blowing them away. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, Can any forbid water that these should not be baptized to have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? It's kind of backwards, right? In, in yeah. American church. Or like, <laughs> right. Okay, prayer, prayer. Then you're going to get baptized. Then you're going yeah. to do that. They're like, whatever God wants to do in what or, whatever order, okay. Yeah. You've heard, you've even heard about the baptism of John, yet not even coming to that fullness. But now the Holy Spirit's been poured out mm-hmm. on you. That which we experienced in Acts 2 now is being poured out in this house. Mm-hmm. So that tells us that the Holy Spirit is for everyone. Yeah. Now let's baptize you in water. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. You think? Yeah. Yeah. God transforms our life. Mm-hmm. Hey, get out of here. No, no, no. no. We want you to hang out <laughs> for a second. some questions. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... Cassie, what do you think about this last part where Peter just, really, he did. He he didn't step back. He didn't yeah. shriek back. Mm-hmm. He did come to that place where he was like, hey, we're all human and we're all on the same playing field. But listen, here's the word of the, the mm-hmm. Lord. Man, here's the truth, the mm-hmm. whole gospel. Yeah. And before he even finished, mm-hmm. man, God's presence just absolutely blew the place apart. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I was thinking as we were reading this that like we are reading our the beginning of our story. Come on, yeah. I mean, like that moment made possible my time with the Lord this morning. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like and just connecting it like literally makes me emotional to think that like these two men fought by taking risk and showing up and being obedient for this moment to happen and because this moment happened I have access to the Holy Spirit yep. because it was God's intention all along but he he had this moment had to happen you know because God's heart is fleshed out his will is fleshed out in people you know that's that's the way he chose I don't know why that's how he chose it cuz it's right the sloppier way <laughs> but in this moment you see it's not just significant for the people in that room or the people of the Bible times like we only have access to our relationship with Jesus because God in his mercy wanted it to be for all. But this moment is when that started. You yeah. know, this was the break, the break in the separation of who gained access to that and who didn't. And it's just, it's crazy to think that like this story is about us too, you know, yep. and, and us having access to it. But, um, I think the bravery of Peter in that moment to not back down from that message, because again, he's not just saying it to Cornelius and his party. He's also saying it to himself and to everyone who, whoever he is with him Yep. as a way of saying like, we all have to reckon with this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and because he obviously didn't have, have it all together. Like he's getting this revelation in the moment and it would require all of them coming to the table 
and agreeing that the gospel was for all. And I've been in rooms where I was the person having to say, hey, like the gospel isn't just for the haves, you know, like, and that the poor need and deserve and were designed to have a seat at our table. You know, this kind of like pushing back the lines of all the boxes that people get put in. And it just takes a lot of bravery to yeah. not back down from that message. So I lo- that's one of the reasons why I love this part of that story because he could have in that moment made it a little easier to hear or couched it differently where it didn't yep. sound as radical, but he didn't. And it was just as radical for his own ears, <laughs> you know, and as I'm sure, like I can put myself in his position and say like, like, as he's saying it, I'm sure he's also thinking, oh crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, maybe not in those words, but like now I have, like, this is something now I have to do. Like it's, and I think we can over spiritualize these stories or over spiritualize the people and forget that like Peter would have to overcome his own, um, prejudices, <laughs> like his own partiality. Like they all had to. Yep. This wasn't just like, thus saith the Lord. And everyone was like, oh, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Like they had to work through their deeply embedded partiality and bias and all of the things. Well, the crazy <clears> thing <throat> is in the wording in this, it almost appears as if awe and wonder are being restored mm-hmm. to those who came with Peter. Because again, they're they're all they've all accepted Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. Yet in this moment, they're astonished mm-hmm. that God is pouring out his spirit on these Gentiles. Mm-hmm. There's awe and wonder mm-hmm. in the place. It's filled with awe and wonder. Yep. And I'm like you. Every time I read this, I see the open door for me. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're not Jewish. This is your open door. Mm-hmm. Like Acts 2 is not it, as awesome as Acts 2 yeah. is. And it's amazing. If you're Jewish, that's your doorway. Because actually Acts 2 and Acts 10 gets fulfilled mm-hmm. because it says to the Jew first, then the yep. Gentile. I mean, it's like that was God's order. That's the way he set it <clears> up. <throat> and it just so happens that it that it took this man Cornelius and this man Peter to break down these these cultural divides and these social norms to just go past all of it. I almost see Peter like being transmitted from Joppa to Caesarea and having to go through everything, having Mm -hmm. to go through the veil in the temple, having to Mm -hmm. go through the four-legged animals, Mm -hmm. having to go through like all the things that he had built up Mm -hmm. as barriers between him and Cornelius, him and the Gentiles was being torn down. And the Holy Spirit is like because he leaned in to really go after the message, that's why he didn't get to finish speaking. Mm-hmm. It's almost like God was like, all right, you get it. I'm going to take over now. And I think another thing, the way that it that it says, um, what does it say? When Peter says, like, I see now, right? Like as he's starting to, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Yep. I think <clears throat> when it comes to this this idea of, you know, erasing the dividing lines and pulling people out of their boxes and and not um, 
sort of playing into society's like categories that if God is going to do that, like in a city or in this case, in this room, um, it has to start with me, right? Like I can't lead a movement for something to happen that has not happened to me. Right. And so you see that when Peter's having the revelation, which I'm sure he's like, thank God, because I didn't know what I was going to say. <laughs> but he says, I see very clearly now. And because when the Holy Spirit fell, this moment, it wasn't over after that. Like we don't read, I mean, we read a lot that happens after that, but like that was just the beginning of the harder work, which was actually putting that stuff to practice, Yeah, you know? And, and like, the fact that everybody was not excited about this. Right, because right. Because when no. Peter comes back, mm -hmm. he's got a whole faction of people who are like, what are you doing? Right. Like, And that continues to be the case. We're not yeah. pumped about that. That's are right. you kidding me? So the harder work was coming, and in order for Peter to lead the charge in this idea that the gospel is for the Jew and the Gentile— Stuff had to happen in him first. And I think um, as American believers, I think I see this a lot that like we see like a cultural movement or a social justice movement and we immediately like retweet it or, you know, repost it or post it with our own commentary before we go before God and say, man, what is in me? Yeah. You know, like what is in me that needs to be rooted out. And like when it comes to anything, whether that's racism or how we view the poor or how we view whatever it might be, right. it's easier to become like a, a cause warrior than it is to first go before the father and say, is there anything racist in me? And if there is like to do the work, like, in, like for Peter, like, Work had to be done in all of these people in the room in order for them to be the the carriers of this truth. And I think as believers, we skip that because it's it's the it's harder and it's messy and it's gross. Like it really sucks to ask God a question and him answer you in a way that isn't favorable, <laughs> you know, where you're like, oh, that is this, or that is something that's sinful in me. And so I always am reminded when anytime I read this that like the Peter, like work had to be done in him. Sure. Because all of that stuff was rooted very deeply in him. And you see that at the beginning of that little story when the vision happens and he's like, no way, God. Well, the encouraging <laughs> thing is- I'm not touching is, those animals. <laughs> yeah. You know, the encouraging thing is, is that <clears throat> he didn't even understand what God was telling him. Yep. When he goes with the men to go to Caesarea, mm -hmm. he still didn't understand. The he Bible is clear. He just knows that the Lord told him to do something, and he said no. Yeah, because, because it went against it, what he believed. Yeah. It says in the scripture that he didn't even—he was still thinking on it. Mm -hmm. He didn't even have time to process it. But through that span of time, the they lodged, they stayed over, they had the travel time, they get there, and then he's had all this time, mm -hmm. which it may have been like a week, five days, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. He's had this time to allow the Holy Spirit to move in him. And by the time he opens his mouth, which he doesn't know what he's going to say, mm -hmm. according to Scripture, right. when he opens his mouth, it's a totally different response than mm -hmm. he began. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like he had the answer and then knew what mm -hmm. to say. Mm -hmm. It was simply that he knew that it was God. He took a step into yeah. he didn't know, mm -hmm. 
Then he still didn't know when he got there because all Cornelius said was, hey, you're going to tell us something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're and, all here. Yeah, but yeah. yet the Holy Spirit is moving in him the whole time. He's allowing the Holy Spirit to flesh it all out, literally mm-hmm. flesh mm-hmm. it all out, mm-hmm. so that when he does open his mouth, it's from the Lord. It's not from him. Yeah. And then because of that, God pours out his Spirit while he's still speaking to yeah. confirm hey, what you're saying is me. It's not just you. Peter could have went there and gave him a good word, mm-hmm. encouraged the house, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit not been poured out in yeah. that house. But yet he submitted himself to the Lord to get past his own stuff. Yeah, his own junk, yeah. To That's say right. what mm-hmm. God wanted to say to that group of people. And because of that, mm-hmm. you know, we've led a lot of, uh, I've led a lot of teams to to Israel and, you know, everybody's got their mindset of how they want to do Israel, right? So, Oh, we want to leave Jerusalem and, you know, you go up to Jerusalem. And it's like, well, Jerusalem, it, it's beautiful. It's good, mm-hmm. but it's heavy. Mm-hmm. Like when you go to Jerusalem, it's heavy. It's spiritually heavy. There's a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stairs. Yeah, Buses can't get to certain places, which means you got to walk. And that's when the people that thought they loved Jerusalem don't love Jerusalem very much. <laughs> yeah. And then that's also when they realize <clears throat> that Jesus didn't go into Jerusalem to hang out. Right. He, he went for feast times. He went for times of prayer. But the majority of his ministry is done out in that triad of the Galilee area. And really for Gentiles, it's not Jerusalem, it's Caesarea. Mm -hmm. And so we would lead teams and I would be like, man, I really want to finish. Like you would either finish in Jerusalem or you would finish in Tel Aviv, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody wanted to do the, you know, Tel Aviv is the big social, you know, uh, centrifuge of all of Israel. It's mm-hmm. the party place. It's the cultural mm-hmm. hub. It's all that. So you either finish in Jerusalem or you finish here. And I'm like, man, I'm going to, I'm, I want to start at Simon the Tanner's house. As soon as we get off yeah. at Tel Aviv and everybody's tired mm-hmm. and everybody's just ready, but they've got to stay awake because of jet lag. And we're going to keep them awake mm-hmm. for most of the day, yeah. right? <laughs> so that nobody gets up at one o'clock in yeah. the morning, you know, and they're ready to go touring and all that stuff. So I'm like, let's get off the plane. Let's immediately go to Joppa, which isn't very far, and let's go to Simon Tanner's house. Let's start there mm-hmm. and tell the story. Let's just tell the story about Peter being there. Let's not tell the rest of the story. And then end it at Caesarea and go straight to the airport. Mm-hmm. And I can remember taking that team and we're sitting at, we're standing at Caesarea and we've done all the historical part of it and we've done all the Herod stuff and, and Agrippa and all that stuff. We've done all that stuff. And then we're kind of in this portico and I'm like, you remember where we started? Mm-hmm. Right. And the amount of days that have passed are about the amount of days yeah. that Simon took that journey. And here we are, Gentiles, mm-hmm. and we're here. And this is where God opens up the door to the entire world back to Abraham. Yep. Like this is it. Mm-hmm. And what happens in Cornelius's house is the doors open to his house, and the gospel, the full gospel is then preached to everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's go do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like just in their mind of going, <clears throat> man, I like I didn't see me in that. Mm-hmm. But this is it. Like mm-hmm. this is it. And so I'm just super encouraged by this. I could talk about this chapter for days on end. Listen, if you have not dug into this chapter, dig into this chapter. There is so much more than what Cassie and I have covered. We've covered a lot, but there's a ton of verses there. But I'm just telling you, this was not just about Peter and Cornelius. This was about all of us Mm -hmm. and how God 
loves us so much that he would speak to somebody that doesn't want to be spoken to yep. <laughs> and show him something he doesn't want to see. Mm-hmm. But he can also speak to another guy who's open to whatever God wants to do. And what he can do is he can bring those two guys together to open up an entire world to the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. to every single creature on the earth yeah. can hear the good news from every social background, from every economic background, that they can hear the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, man, good stuff, folks. Good stuff. Yeah. Any parting thoughts? Nope. It's amazing. I would I would also encourage uh anyone to dig into this chapter because I've, I mean, I think we've read it together four times. Yep. Um, and every, even today, like every single time I'm like, man, like there's just so much there. So I would, I would really encourage people to, to read it multiple times yep. and then push themselves past the kind of surface reading and really dig into what it means. Cause it'll change your life. Yeah. So we started off with visions, trances, Birds, reptiles. Creepy things. And a house full of people. (laughs) What do they have in common? God used every single one of them Mm -hmm. to break down every dividing wall that the world would try to put up. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. All right. We love you guys. Thanks for joining us for the Midweek Move. And um, until next time, just keep going deeper. We love you. Bye-bye.